Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerberg. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Amen. So we are busy with a series called Thriving Relationships. We kicked this off last week. Just want to quickly uh, give an introduction again to the series. So we, we kicked this off last week and we identified and all of us um, related to this idea that life is about relationships. You cannot sidestep relationships. The, the, the better you are at relationships, the better your working environment is going to be. The better life in general is going to be. If you know how to have healthy relationships, how to cultivate healthy relationships. Life is about relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, relationship with one another, the believer, and then a relationship with the lost world. And so in all three of those camps, it's important to identify and see how we can have healthy relationships. We also looked at James chapter 3 verse 16 um, as an introduction to the series, which says, For wherever there is jealousy, envy, and contention, rivalry and selfish selfish ambition there will also be confusion unrest disharmony rebellion and all sorts of evil and vile practices so what this verse is basically saying wherever there's self-centeredness there will be all forms of evil and this is very applicable to our relationships wherever there's self-centeredness in a relationship they will at some point in time be contention, strife, bitterness, offense. And so it's important to identify that and to, in those moments of wanting to be self-centered, say that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I thank you, Jesus, that your spirit inside of me can respond differently to this situation than what my flesh wants to do in this moment. Say, I got the power. I got power. <laughs> it's important to realize and to understand that you set the course of your life. Um, you determine the course of your life. And Proverbs says that guard your heart above all else because that out of the heart flows the issues of life. So we need to guard our hearts. We need to determine what we are allowing and what we are focusing on. And we need to focus on Christ and that we've been crucified with Him and we've got a new life that we get to live now. Amen. And uh, we also looked at John chapter 13 verse 34, which says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So last week we, we focused primarily on this idea that, that God is the source of of, of life and that he is the source to healthy relationships and as Jesus said your new commandment which was not new by the way but it was a new interpretation of the commandment which to love one another comes from and flows from us receiving love from him and in our relationships the more we receive love from God the more we are going to be loving towards one another praise God it's that simple this morning we're looking at fighting the right battle. Is this my water? <laughs> no, it is my water. I dub it Etienne's water. Okay, let's look at fighting the right battle. There are uh, two opponents that we're going to look at this morning. And I want to encourage you to engage with me. Um, respond where appropriate, where applicable. Um, sometimes we kind of say amen just because we get excited, but then it's at the wrong time or it's inappropriate. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's engage in the word this morning. Make notes. Um, 
if, if you feel like making notes, I do want to encourage you to uh, start feeling like making notes because when we make notes, um, we, we're responding differently. The word goes in a little bit deeper. It's like any good student. If you go to class, if you're making notes, you're receiving more. When you go home, you can actually go back to your notes versus going home and you're like, man, what did they say again? And so uh, um, all of us have been in those, those settings. So I encourage you guys, make, make notes. And it's also a way then for you to go back home and to, with God, like further investigate certain things. And maybe you're able to write down some questions that you can go and further study out with God. So I want to encourage you, let's, let's be students of the Word, not just kind of sitting here um, having the Word go in one ear and then out the other ear. So there are two opponents I want to bring to our attention today with regards to this idea of fighting the right battle. Two opponents. And we want to fight these opponents because as we do, it will enable us to experience and enjoy thriving relationships even more. So the first opponent is against the works of the devil. And then the second opponent, opponent is which one we've already uh, kind of uh, talked about, is self-centeredness. So those two opponents, if you get a grip on dealing with and uh, fighting these two opponents in your life and knowing how to uh, oppose them, I can guarantee you, money back guarantee, <laughs> that you are going to enjoy more thriving relationships. So let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll read from verse 1 to 6 from the message translation. And now a personal uh, but most urgent matter. I write in the gentle but firm spirit of Christ. I hear that I am being painted as a cringing and wishy-washy when I'm with you. But harsh and demanding when at a safe distance writing letters. Please don't force me to take a hard line when I'm present with you. Don't think that I'll hesitate a single minute to stand up to those who say I'm an unprincipled opportunist. Then they'll have to eat their words. The world is unprincipled. It's doggy dog world out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. But they are for dem demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, uh, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Okay, so this is beautiful. The King James uh, uh, references verse 4 and 5, uh, taking every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. So if a thought is contrary to who Christ is or is contrary to what Jesus came to do in your life, which is, uh, if, if a thought is contrary to your new nature, what, be, what happens to you when you receive the Spirit of God, then I want to take those thoughts captive and put them away. And so it's very important in our relationships to, to come to know who you are in Christ, your new identity, your new nature, what God has empowered you to do. So that when thoughts come up where you want to like just put someone in their place, you just take a moment and you're like, I'm going to respond differently. I'm going to respond with the grace of God inside of me. And you can share a truth, a hard truth in a loving manner, and it's received well. Or you can share truth in an unloving manner, and it just received badly. All of us have been in those settings, I know. Where you share truth, and you think you're doing a good job, and it wasn't done in love, and it just created havoc. And so it's important to understand this. But I love how Paul, so he's addressing an issue here, 
And uh, the church of Corinth, there were some people that said, like, yeah, uh, Paul is like, uh, he, he's, uh, he's very gentle and he's very nice when he's with us. But then when he's writing these letters, he comes across as, as very hard and very demanding. Now, one problem here again is gossip, which I know none of you do. Gossip is such a, such a evil practice. It's horrible. It's destructive. Don't give in to gossip. It will ruin your relationships and it will ruin and stunt your maturity as a child of God. That wasn't in my notes. So I, I, I trust that that blessed someone or challenged someone at least. Then he goes on in verse uh, six. I just want to go over verse three to six. The world is unprincipled. It's dog eat dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Taking this into our relationships, we don't do relationships like the world does. When someone hurts you, you write them off. I don't need them. Anyone ever done that? Let's be honest. Anyone been there? Thanks, guys. Honesty out here. Amen. There's a little bit more honesty on this side of the room, so I need to focus on this side of it. Now I'm joking. Um, that's not the way of Christ. We need to understand this. We do things differently because we're children of God. We should be known by our fruit. As the saying goes, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Too many Christians, the apples fall very far from the tree. We need to fall close to the tree. We want to represent the nature and the character of our Father. And in order to do so, we're going to need to get to know our Father. Walk in a loving relationship with Him. As Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 from the message beautiful illustrates for us. Watch what your Father does. And then you do it. That's God's invitation. Watch what He does. Learn from Him. And your life will overflow with that same kind of uh, attributes in life. We don't fight our battles the way the world does. Our relationships need to look different. But we also need to be vigilant knowing that God's plans to reach the world is going to happen through people and having strong relationships. I shared this in our uh, pre, um, pre-service uh, meeting in prayer. Is that... God wants to accomplish His will to save the world and to help them come to knowledge of the truth. He wants to accomplish that through us. Not through me. Not through I. But us. In relationships. And so if you think about that, that God's plans and His will for His life is going to be accomplished through the body, different members, one body, what would be Satan's biggest attack against God's plans? Division. And so we need to identify this and understand this because that's the, 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 the schemes of the devil. The works of the devil is going to come in to sow discord, to create uh, 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 walls between people. Because it's only through us coming together, not neglecting the coming together, fighting together, that we are going to advance God's kingdom and move forward and take ground. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. Verse 11 and 12 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vials of the devil. Or another word for vials is schemes, cunning the seed of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. So Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 to 12 um, yeah, we wrestle not, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high 
places. So again, if you're fighting a fight against someone, not realizing that there's an operation behind the scenes, you are fighting the wrong fight. Like we just identified, one of the greatest tactics and schemes of the devil in the body of Christ is the vision. Sowing discord. People have probably left, uh, left churches and abandoned their, their calling, probably mostly because of relationships. Mostly because of relationships. And that's sad. That people are so easily deceived into falling for the bait of the devil. Leaving churches and in so doing, not that your calling is at a church, but oftentimes you're stunting your growth just because of a relationship challenge and you leave. And you uproot. It's like a tree that is continually uprooted. Is that tree going to grow when one moment you plant it here for a few months and then you uproot it and then you're going to try and plant it somewhere else? No, it's not going to grow effectively. And so we need to be aware of this because this is the, the tactics of the devil. Division, discord. And we're losing ground. Genesis chapter 3. We see this coming up in Genesis chapter 3. From the beginning of time because remember, Satan isn't very creative. His plans are the same. It's been the same since the beginning of time. Sowing discord, sowing division, creating strife. Because in doing so, it's hindering us passive, inactive, and losing ground. Verse 1 to 5 from the, the Living Bible. The serpent was the craftiest of all creatures the Lord God had made. So the serpent came to the woman. Who did he come to? The woman. The woman. He didn't come to the woman and the man. So there was isolation here. He came to the woman, really asked, none of the fruit in the garden, God said you must eat any of it? Of course we may eat it, the woman told him. It's only the fruit from the tree at the saints of the garden that we are not to eat. God says we mustn't eat of it or even touch it or we will die. That's a lie, the serpent hissed. You'll not die. God knows very well that the instant you eat it, you will become like him. For your eyes will be open and you will be able to distinguish good from evil. So the very fact that, that Satan, the devil, came here to Eve in isolation is giving us the same idea of discord. Because if the two of them were together, it would have been more difficult for him to convince Eve of this lie. We need to stand together. We need to have strong relationships. We need to have each other's backs. It's like uh, in the movies you, you see a crime being committed and there's a, a few parties involved. What do they do with the, um, the, the parties? They take them in isolation. They separate them. And then they start kind of uh, uh, building cases or the, uh, putting them against one another. Said your, your, your teammates are going to give you up. So if you're going to do it first, then you'll, uh, you'll get a, a, lesser, a lesser punishment. And so this, 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 this picture of isolation and not standing together, not keeping the unity that will hinder us in our walk with God and will hinder us in living out our callings and our purposes. So we need to be vigilant because this is a clear strategy of the devil. And so we're talking about thriving relationships and maybe your relationships are thriving in church and you don't have any problems. But what about your relationships at work? What about your family life? Now, I need to add this, that the word encourages us. Uh, I believe it's Paul that says that we need to live peaceably with all men as much as it is possible to us. What does that mean? It's not always going to be possible to live at peace with everyone. Because people also need to choose whether they want to be at peace with you. 
But you can do what you can do and do the, the, to the best of your ability to have peace in your heart towards someone even if they do not have towards you. Because that will also affect us. Let's go to Genesis chapter 11. We see a beautiful picture of unity here. Uh, Genesis chapter 11 verse 5 to 6. And so we want to make it our aim, make it our goal in our Christian walk for the body of Christ's sake, the, the, the family that we're called to, but then also in the, the, the rest of our relationships as well, because it will be a representation of your walk with God. Unity. Because God is united. He has a united front. It's, oftentimes people think that Jesus was one guy and then God was the angry guy and then they were kind of like fighting against one another. Good cop, bad cop. That's not the case. Jesus was the exact, exact representation, exact uh, um, characteristic of who God is. So Genesis 11, 5-6 says, But the Lord came down to look at the city. This is now at the, the building of the Tower of uh, uh, Babel, if you, if you know the story. The Lord God came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united. Say united. <laughs> and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. So this is a beautiful picture of unity. God himself says, because they are united. And it was more so, like the Bible says, yes, they all spoke the same language. We can all speak the same language and not be united, right? So it's more than just speaking the same language. They're united in vision and in mission and in hearts. And what did God say? Because they are united, nothing will be impossible for them. We need to become more united in the things that God has called us to, keeping the main thing the main thing, and run the race of that unity because then nothing will be impossible for us either. God has put His blessing. We see this throughout the, 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 the Bible in Psalm 133 as well, talking about unity. God's blessing is upon unity. Where there's unity, there's blessing overflowing. Where there's unity, there's abundant fruitfulness. And these people, these people in, at building the Tower of Babel weren't even about their father's business. So how much more if we are about a father's business come into a unity and start fighting this fight from that place. That's why it's essential for us to keep the unity of the brotherhood, of the saints. And then wherever we go, to be at peace with all men as much as possible. Titus 3 verse 10 says, If people are causing divisions among you, this is how strong uh, we need to see this picture of division and divisiveness. And us, because remember, if it's Satan kind of working behind the scenes, causing discord or causing offenses and things like that, we need to take responsibility and realize that Satan doesn't have power over you. He can deceive you, but if you're being deceived and you're giving in to that deception, that's on you. A good word? Is a challenging word. We're not going to mature if we don't take responsibility. We need to take some responsibility. So if you're being deceived and you're giving in to the works of the devil, and his works is to the, cause division, to uh, uh, divide. What is the instruction to Titus? Titus 3 verse 10. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. That seems a bit harsh, right? It's not. 
It's grace towards the people. It's grace towards the mission. It's grace towards advancing and moving forward in life. Division, divisiveness, it's evil. So when you have a, have a desire to talk about someone else again without them being present, think a second time because you are busy with the works of the devil. Ouch. I give you, uh, if, and even if you give in, if you're in a setting where someone talks about someone else without them being present, I give you permission. If you're the recipient of what's happening, to tell them you're busy with the works of the devil. And if you are listening and you're entertaining it, you too are a culprit and busy with the works of the devil. We shouldn't be giving time to the works and the plans of the devil in our lives. Right? Who wants to give time and uh, uh, any, any time for the devil in your life? Please don't put up your hand. My, my hand's not... <laughs> That would have been awkward. Um, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 to 6 says, uh, Be faithful to God, the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you, in the bonds of peace, being one body, one spirit, as you were called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism, one Father, and He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. It just makes sense, Right? This instruction, it's so simple, it's so clear, but because it's not extravagant, because it's not burning bushes and, and open heavens and like choirs of angels singing, we like despise these little instructions and limitations in the Bible. Unity, that's not so exciting. Let's, like, let's move on to like power, fire. Let's move on to those charismatic kind of swinging from the chandeliers uh, uh, words because it's, it's fun when people ro roll around and like uh, have goosebumps and things like that. Never has any of those things matured anyone. It's the word of God and the simple truth of what the gospel is and things like unity and guarding the harmony of our unity that builds up the church. We need to start valuing the things that God values. And yes, if there's an experience, by all means, enjoy your experience. I was teary up front, enjoying worship. But then again, the tears dry up. Then I need to carry on with life. I need to deal with you guys. <laughs> Just joking. Just joking. If you're new here and you don't know my personality yet, I'm a little bit sarcastic, so uh, um, you can pray for me. <laughs> Be faithful to God, the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you. Be faithful. Let's be faithful. Let's be vigilant. Let's make this a priority in our lives, in every setting, to guard the unity that we share in the Spirit. Let's talk about the, the opponent of self-centeredness, which none of us are, I believe, in this room. Um, only the people who didn't come. What is the antidote? The antidote for self-centeredness is Christ-centeredness. The antidote for self-centeredness is Christ-centeredness. What does that mean? Let's get into the scriptures. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 to 5 from the Passion Translation. The antidote for self-centeredness is Christ-centeredness. Look at how much encouragement you found in your relationship with the Anointed One. You are full to overflowing with His comforting love. You have experienced a deepening friendship with the Holy Spirit and have found His tender affection and mercy. So I'm asking you, what is he asking us? I'm asking you, my friends, that you be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, and united in one love. 
Walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. Be free from prideful opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. No, that can't be right. Is that, is that what your Bible also says? Like, <laughs> to put others before yourself. Like that doesn't, man, that just seems wrong, right? Like surely we should like, we should be fighting for ourselves and looking after ourselves. Yes, but in a healthy relationship, in a healthy proportion. Be free from prideful opinions, for they will only arm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness, possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before for us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Now again, before you think for a moment, Yo, this is difficult, this is impossible, then you are right. Because whatever you believe, whether you can or you can't, you are right. And in the context of who you are in Christ and what He's come to do for you, if you believe that, this is not impossible. But if you don't believe who God has made you to be and what He's empowered you with, this will be impossible. To consider others above yourself. To be free from prideful opinions. To always have an opinion about everything. You don't always have to say what you think. You don't always have to have an opinion about everything. Because oftentimes it's us speaking before we think, speaking before we are Christ-centered, that we are causing harm to our cherished unity. Let His mindset become your motivation. What was Jesus' mindset? It's a good question. I'm glad you guys asked. Philippians 2 verse 6 to 8. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. This is Jesus, guys. He was God, but he didn't thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Imagine that. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was perfect in that example, even in his death, the criminal's death by crucifixion. If Jesus can, then I can too. Because I've received his spirit. His nature is dwelling on the inside of you. A nature of selflessness. Thinking of others before himself. Let his mindset become your motivation. Let's look at Hebrews uh, 12 verse 2 because uh, this is a beautiful picture of just kind of drawing this, this into a context for us. Let his mindset become your motivation. Jesus, writing about Jesus, Hebrews 12 verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter, or the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? This, this joy that we are talking about now. He had a joy that was set before him. This was his mindset. This was his, his motivation. The joy that was set before him. What was that joy? It was you and me. People, relationships. People, souls. And this is a difficult question. What are the joys that you are setting before you? What joys are you setting before you? 
For Jesus, the joy that set before him endured the cross. That's something impossible, something supernatural. He had a joy that set, was set before him. What are the joys in your life that you are setting before you? Maybe it's, it's, it's carnal things, things that, that aren't that important. And that's the very reason why you can't do the difficult things that you see in the Word. That's the very reason why your life might be in the state that it is, because you've set joys in front of you that is not the joy that Jesus set before Him. Who's the perfect example you've ever seen in the Bible? Jesus. Who's the perfect example you'll ever come to know? Jesus. When in doubt, Jesus is a good answer, guys, just by the way. Crip notes. Jesus is a good answer. So if he, he set this joy in front of him to do something that no man has ever done before, why do we think we can set other joys in front of us and think we will live significant lives that will be remembered for eternity? So you might sit here and ask, like, how do I do what Jesus did? Like, what did he do? The joy that was set before him was people, changing people's lives. And Jesus accomplished what he came to accomplish. Now we get to put that same joy in front of us by sharing with the people around us. When someone's in darkness, you share light. Whether it's they're going through a difficult time or whether they are walking in darkness and they do not know God their Father. You get to share Jesus with them. And that kind of joy is the joy that Jesus set before him. The joy of impacting people's lives for eternity. Because when you start living in that place, guess what? This is going to bless you guys. But I know that statistically speaking, a lot of you aren't going to receive this truth. Because truth is truth whether you believe it or not, right? Jesus is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But a lot of people don't believe that. So it's not impacting them. They're not enjoying that truth. So I'm going to share truth with you guys. Whether if you receive this truth, your relationship will start to thrive. Guess what truth this is? When you start living for the kingdom. When you start putting the joy that Jesus put in front of him. When you start putting that joy in front of you. When we live our lives to fulfill the will of God, which is for the world to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 2.4 When we start living in that place and that becomes our joy, what we're living for, we will start experiencing more thriving relationships. When we live our lives as ones enlisted into an army on mission, there isn't time to complain, to gossip, to compare, to become bored or waste time on things that aren't eternal. I didn't bless you guys. I understand and I know it's not a feel-good word. But this is another antidote to just experiencing troubled relationships. <laughs> When we live our lives as ones enlisted into an army on mission, there isn't time to complain, to gossip, to compare, and be bored and wasting time on things that aren't important. Thank you, Jesus, that it's that simple. And then we respond to this and we start running the races that have been set before us. We won't have time to stop and give attention to all of the people in the crowd and the audience telling us how to do it, what not to do, and the backbiting and the this and the that and the next. This is something that God is inviting us all to and it's so, so possible. Firstly, fighting the right fight. The opponent of the devil, knowing his schemes to come to divide. And then fighting this, this opponent of self-centeredness. Thinking about yourself more than other people. Being full of prideful opinions. 
All of these things, self-centeredness, will ruin your relationships. So let's, let's identify with what happened to us. As Paul says, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. That word I goes back to a root word where we get the English word ego from. Ego. I have been crucified with Christ. Your ego has been crucified. Stop resurrecting your ego. Christ now lives in you. Allow him to live through you. Allow him to live through you. Let's be vigilant. Let's stand together. Let's be vigilant. Let's be aware of the schemes of the devil to come to divide, to sow discord, to sow division. And let's not give in to the works of the devil and, and be busy with the works of the devil. Let's be busy with the works of our father. As Jesus told his parents when they came looking for him at age 12. I'm about my father's business. Let's be about our father's business. And I guarantee you, you'll experience more thriving relationships. Better than you would have ever thought possible. Praise God, it's that easy. You can find more of our free teachings on our website www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca